I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kendall. This show's focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos with an extra focus on the NFL draft. Nick and I will continue to talk general Broncos news, but today will be our one of our last episodes this year that is draft heavy. We will still stand by our statement, though, that building teams in April is arguably as fun as the actual games on Sunday. Follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kendall MHH. And of course, tweet us as much as you like and follow the podcast account at HuddleUp underscore MHH. You can also find ours and our co-writers content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com, an affiliate of Scout Media and the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, and Spreaker. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Today, we are going to wrap up our our deep dive into the Broncos draft picks, and this is kind of a a bittersweet for, for Nick and I because, you know, we've put in a lot of hours into this draft and so to kind of be wrapping up this draft, it just kind of feels like such a, I don't know, an interesting closing to to everything. Are you feeling the same thing, Nick? It is bittersweet, absolutely. You know, after putting in so many hours in the combine and all these players have been selected and reviewing how all the players fit. But honestly, I'm ready for some real football, and I am ready for starting to talk about the 2018 class, honest to God. I mean, I've already started watching tape today. Uh, well, not today, but just recently I started watching a little bit of, uh, Derwin James of Florida state. My God, that guy is phenomenal. I'm sorry. We're already talking 2018, but Jesus, <laughs> like, unbelievable. This kid, like he was yeah. hurt last year, but he might be the best safety I've ever seen. I made a, I sent out a joke tweet today, you know, cause right now it's 2018, you know, who knows what happens. We might have the first pick next year. I don't think we will, but you never know. So it's fun to think about all the possibilities. And I did a, uh, Send out a tweet. It's like the upgrade meme. You know, you have a picture of somebody and you, the up, somebody hits the upgrade button and then it's something better. And it was TJ Ward, who I love, but you know, I had TJ Ward hit the upgrade button and then Derwin James. And if you thought the no fly zone was incredible, you know, this year and last year, you sub out TJ Ward for arguably the, I think he's probably going to end up being one of the best safety prospects since Sean Taylor and Derwin James. And my goodness. Oh man. Yeah. No, I, I saw that, that they're trying to, signed TJ Ward to an extension. So that that could be an interesting development and really change how we go about the the 2018 draft. 
um, because that would be a hole on this defense if he possibly left, uh, you know, unless one of our young guys steps up. And I know you're you're pretty high on some of our young guys, too. And uh, but before we get into 2018, let's finish up here with 2017, our final three picks. And then maybe we'll talk a little bit about some undrafted free agents. But today, Isaiah McKenzie, our last pick in the fifth round. They call him the the human joystick. Then, of course, we have the other Henderson. And, of course, Mr. Swag himself, Chad Kelly. And, uh, man, there, there's there's nobody quite like this kid. You know, I, I don't know many other players that have their own rap song. And, Bronco fans, you're going to get to enjoy that here on this podcast here today. Nick has uh, graciously decided to, to add that for you for your listening pleasure. Swag. <laughs> don't shoot up someplace so when you're listening to it that's all I can yes say. yes oh my goodness yeah he, he, his story is so back and forth it is it's almost uh, like it could be a hollywood story in the end you know i i don't know it'll be interesting but before we get to him let's talk about isaiah mckenzie wide receiver of georgia like i said the human joystick was the nickname he was given in high school what can you tell me about this kid well, he is dynamic in space and is going to remind Bronco fans a lot of Trendon Holiday. Uh, just right off the bat, the easy comparison for recent Broncos. You know, obviously a dynamic uh, special teams player, especially a returner. And I'm curious if they are going to implement him into the offense or if he's going to be more of a niche special teams guy. But still, with how horrible we were with returns last year with Norwood and even trying Latimer and Taylor double dipping with some returners and Langley, who's been a solid returner Henderson, who's been an amazing returner. And now McKenzie, um, you have to enjoy the, uh, the excitement that that's going to bring on special teams. I'm excited. Just listening to Olivo. Did you see his talk today? In the press conference? I, I didn't get to see it, but I, I've had some people tweet me and, and a few other things and message me on Facebook about, you know, you need to watch this thing. And I just haven't had time yet today, but he is, he's a ball of energy. Oh my yeah. God. Our, our entire offensive coaching staff really other than McCoy McCoy is kind of that like complete opposite like you know he's gonna completely keep a straight face or he's gonna look at like he's angry all the time but the other ones yeah they're, they're just a ball of energy and especially Olivo it's he's you could tell he just is so excited for this opportunity and uh, I was about ready to charge the shore or something like seriously, <laughs> I was like man we're gonna, I'm gonna need to hit somebody yeah I, I could see him becoming an offensive uh, a head coach pretty soon you know just because of that excitement, like he's going to really sell it. If he ever gets a chance for an interview, people are going to be like, I like this guy. Like you said, people are just going to want to run through a wall for this guy. And I'm excited to see what he brings to the team. Yeah, I was a big, uh, I wouldn't say a proponent, you know, I'm happy with Vance Joseph, but I liked uh, Tubes, the Kansas city special teams coordinator as well. He's been a great one for a long time and, you know, they brought him in and they were pretty impressed with him. So so I'm, I'm excited about the special teams and I'm excited about what McKenzie might bring to the table for the special teams. He's not yeah. a very big guy. He's a uh, five foot seven, 173 pounds with, you know, very short arms, 28 and seven eighth uh, arm length and eight and seven eighth hands. So hands aren't too small, but those arms are pretty short. I'm more, I'm more of a, I worry about hands than I do arm length for wide receivers. Um, just, you know, bigger hands usually equal better, better ability to catch the football. And uh, so, yeah, but uh, I don't know. Isaiah McKenzie, he's a decent receiver. Um, just watching him. He, but he's more of that special teams guy. That's what we're bringing him in for day one. You know, that's what I agree. He's, he had what, five, five punt return touchdowns and then a kickoff return touchdown while in, in college. 
and uh, just was dynamic. I watched his highlight video here today and like is about five minutes just straight of special teams plays. You know, he, he did a lot more than just those six touchdowns. And uh, he, you know, he got a lot of, a lot of big, big time returns. So um, yeah, I think day one, he brings something to this team. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you see on him, you see him on tape and he is dynamic. You know, we have, we've been avoiding the, uh, the J word, but he's going to bring some juice <laughs> to special teams. <laughs> and, he, and you saw it in, in his drills. I mean, he ran a four, four, two forty. He had a 36 inch vertical, 123 broad jump, a six, six, four, three cone and a four, 4.15 20 yard shuttle. So he's agile and he's fast. I'm just mostly worried about his size. You know, he's very small. Not many guys that small make it as wide receivers. I mean, maybe, you know, Tavon Austin, you know, how, how great he was, he was taken pretty high, but how great is he? You know, some of that's probably on Jeff Fisher in the offense that's in uh, Los Angeles now, yeah. but worst case scenario, he's going to be a solid special teams player for us. And I could not believe the uh, the hype that Todd McShay, uh, Mel Kuyper, and ESPN were putting on this kid. I mean, yeah. talk, they were all just totally about this kid. They they loved our draft. You know, it's funny. NFL.com really didn't like the Broncos draft a whole lot. ESPN loved it. Um, Garrett Bowles pick was like the one that they kind of kind of hated. You know, between Mel Kuyper and McShay, that thought that was a little high because they just weren't very high on the, the offensive line prospects, which most people weren't. But yeah, um, Todd McShay, this is what he had to say. He uh, said that he could be one of the biggest steals of day three. He said, get him in space. He's as dangerous as any returner in this draft. I think he's one of the top three or four return specialists, undersized slot receivers coming out of this draft. He could be a steal for a team on day three. And Mel Kuyper? I couldn't believe what he said about this kid because I, I mean, this is, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel like he lost it at this moment, but he said that his comparison for, uh, for McKenzie is Antonio Brown when he came out of college where he was viewed as that undersized special teams guy with some ability as a receiver comparing a, you know, fifth round pick guy. That's pretty undersized. Wasn't didn't put up a whole lot of receiving numbers in college um, to the number one wide receiver in football. Well, arguably, okay. I should say arguably. <laughs> Julio Jones might have to might have a little something to say about that. But Antonio Brown, top three guy. Um, so I mean, that, that's high praise for this kid. And you know, like I said, he has ability when he gets in the open field just to to make people miss. Um, a great stat, probably one of my my favorite stats for him is that this past season. Every seventh time he touched the ball, this is special teams, receiving, running, he scored a touchdown. That's that's yeah, pretty that's, pretty impressive. <laughs> that is very impressive. And his stats back that up. You know, he wasn't the high volume producer, but when he touched the ball, he made things happen. He had this past year as a junior, he had 44 receptions for 633 yards, 14.4 yards per attempt, and seven touchdowns. And he also rushed the ball for 134 yards for 7.1 yards per carry and two rushing touchdowns. As a punt returner, he had 692 yards for 11.7 yards and five punt return touchdowns. Always been a great special teams contributor. And, you know, the SEC, these teams are deep. So he's not just doing this against, you know, some poor, horrible competition or, you know, no offense, Pac-12 fans, but not as deep defensive rosters compared to the SEC. Yeah. He made it happen. So he's he's dynamic for sure. Uh, touching back again, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp on this, but that size, I do worry a little bit about his ability to take – 
uh, big hits, whether that be injury-related or ball security-related, kind of like Trenton Holiday again, you know, deja vu there. But he's if he's, you know, smart as he uh, – if he is smart about protecting himself when he's running and, you know, doesn't set himself up for too many big hits and protects the ball, we could see the field flip, you know, 30 more times this year than we did last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how much – our special teams is probably going to be night and day this year compared to last year. Um, it just wasn't a focus last year. You know, they, they kind of put the the ball into the hands of, um, of a couple guys that really hadn't really shown much of anything and they didn't show anything last year. And so this year adding all this dynamic juice, I'm going to say th- just this one time for the podcast juice. Um, yeah, this cat kid brings it. I mean, he's got some of the best acceleration, um, there's a couple times I watched him where he had about three guys coming out of him, um, and they just took terrible angles. You know, it didn't look like they were going to. And then all of a sudden, this guy just hit the accelerator, two steps. He's already at full speed, and he's already by these guys. And uh, that's that's what he brings to the table. So he can can make a big play real quick, go from zero to sixty in just a couple steps. And um, I'm excited to see what it brings. Um, you know, we had day one of OTAs yesterday. And somebody said that it looked like McKenzie was in the lead after day one, uh, which is <laughs> kind of crazy to say. I, you know, it's just day one. Um, but he looked the most comfortable of uh, receiving punts and just, you know, looking like he had the best ball security of any of the guys. But that that is a concern, like you said, not only because of his size, but he showed it while he was at Georgia. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of touches. Remember that. This is not a high-volume guy. And yet he had three fumbles as a freshman, five as a sophomore, and four as a junior. Um, yeah, so he showed, showed a little bit of improvement from, you know, his sophomore to junior year. You know, he had more touches and less fumbles, but that's still pretty bad um, for the number of touches that he had. So uh, that that worries me. And then you add in, you know, if he's such a small guy, you you hope that they have great route running ability to to use that to their advantage. And he's not a great route runner. He is very sloppy. He's a body catcher, which again, being smaller, you need to be able to use your hands, you know, to, to increase your your catch radius. And he doesn't have that. He likes to to catch it up against his body and and then go try to make a play. And so I, I think I think he's a little bit limited early on. I think he is mostly just a special teams guy where you maybe throw in two to three plays um, a game, just trying to get him involved in the offense. You know, swing pass. Um, quick end around jet sweep, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, those kind of plays that, that he did there at Georgia. But I think teams, you know, they're in the sec. They picked up. This is all that this guy does. A lot of the screen passes, the jet sweeps, um, or run deep. And once they kind of figured that out, his numbers dropped off dramatically. Like you look at his first three games, he had almost, I think like 300 yards receiving in the first three games. And then, you know, if you look at his final totals for the year, you know, 692 yards. So he had 400 yards the rest of the season. So he's got some great things and he's got some terrible things to his game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, again, with that size and just overall how he was used, he's probably not going to be challenging for a big wide receiver role year one, probably not even year two. He's going to have to contribute on special teams as a returner. And as we saw with Norwood, or I guess we didn't see with Norwood last year, that's valuable, and we need that, especially with a very good defense. Uh, but we need to be able to have a guy that can flip the field. You know, we didn't have that so much last year. We didn't really have that two years ago either. 
and adding that can just add points and can totally change the momentum of the game for better or for worse, I guess with him, if he's going to fumble it again, Trendon holiday, I keep seeing flashbacks. <laughs> he's, he's but, got better hands than Trendon. I mean, there, there was a reason the Broncos never used Trendon on offense. He had some of the worst hands from what I've been told um, of any wide receiver they've seen come through Denver. So McKenzie's not quite to that level. He's, he's not great, but he's not to that level. So you're saying there's a chance. I am. I'm saying there's a chance with this kid. You know, I'm I'm with Mel Kuyper here. This kid's going to be something. <laughs> no, I, 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 I would do. have I, guessed Henderson. But, yeah, I would have guessed Carlos would have been the the Antonio Brown comparison for me when I watch him. But, you know, that's just me. I'm, I got a big crush on him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He's got much better hands. He's got that speed. He's got the special teams ability. Um, yeah, that, that's probably a better comparison if you're looking at our two wide receivers that we took. But, yeah, I, I, I like this kid, McKenzie. I think it was a little bit questionable, I guess, on the pick, just in, in my opinion, um, just because it seems like it's triple down on special teams. But we have heard that the Broncos really don't want to use Carlos Henderson on special teams unless they have to, you know, unless nobody else emerges. Um, so it makes sense, I guess, if you if you view it in that light. But Langley was a punt returner. McKenzie's a punt returner. So are you saying that one of them is going to have pretty much no role this year? Uh, if I had to guess, you know, our coming up episodes, we're going to break down the roster a little bit and talk about who we think are going to get the starting roles and grade the positional groups. But if I had to guess, I would say Langley probably more likely to be kickoffs and as used as a gunner and that McKenzie would be used as a punt returner. Just a little bit different skill set in those guys. Yeah. A little less long speed. No, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely makes a lot of sense. But so, moving right along yeah, we do here. Want to touch. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. We do want to touch on a little bit of the, the good that he has, you know, and some of the notes that we have here. One of the things that I like most about him that you, know, you touched on here is that he has very good vision. You know, he does a good job setting guys up uh, multiple, farther down the field, and he can make people miss. You know, he doesn't have the incredibly high rate of numbers that Carlos Henderson had in making people miss. But I would guess that per touch, I mean, it's probably not that far off because, I mean, he, he is – I mean, his nickname is the Human Joystick, and you see that on tape. So he's got a very good vision, and he can really set guys up. And probably, like we talked about, you know, year one, return game, if we can use that and get him on there in that regard, that's going to be valuable for us, especially for a laterish day three pick. Yeah, and something to add to that of just making him, making people miss, something that is very rare for a guy like him – is he is very good about getting north and south. Um, I, you know, a lot of these guys, they'll kind of want to dance around and, and you'll see those plays where they lose like 20 yards because they decide to run backwards. Oh my goodness, nothing irritates me more than a guy thinking that he should run backwards and that's going to be okay. But he does a great job as he makes a guy miss and he goes, you know what, I'm getting north and south, let's go. And, and that's why, like I said, he had a lot of returns that didn't quite go for touchdowns, but they went for huge yards. And, you know, really flip the field for a team. And a big part of that is because, yeah, he makes sure that he at least gets some kind of yardage. And I, I love that about him. And I'm, I'm excited to see him. I agree with you. I think he is going to be our punt returner day one. And and that's that's a good thing for the Broncos, as long as he can hold on to the ball. And, yeah, he I'm just excited to see what he brings. I know I'm going to throw my TV through or throw the TV. Wow. Throw the remote through the TV when he fumbles it though. Gosh, nothing, nothing irritates me more than seeing a team, a defense force an opponent to go three and out. And then the punt returner fumbles it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I might throw the TV. Take that back. Uh, I'm gonna go through. I'm gonna throw the TV through the window. That's probably. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was. I. I think everybody really related with with Akib Talib when he yelled at Norwood last year. Um, you know, after he fumbled, I think it was against. Was it the Patriots? You know, that, yeah, we, the very first drive, we caused them to go three and out, and we have great field position, and Norwood fumbles it. And I think they go right down the field and score a touchdown. They might only get a field goal, but still, just like, yeah, Jesus, uh. come on. <laughs> yeah, that that is, I'm sure, every Bronco fan was kind of like with Tlaib going, are you kidding me? Because I think right before that, he had been benched for like two games because of fumbling on punt returns. And then his first time back, what does he do? He fumbles. So, yes, McKenzie, if you yeah. can learn anything – Please learn to hold on to the ball, like above everything else. I don't care if you fair catch it, um, you know, 70% of the time, you know, uh, there's nothing worse. And like I said, with our defense, you know, when they make a big play like that to all of a sudden then have the field flipped on them, uh, no bigger switch in momentum. Oh, my goodness, than, than seeing some of that happen. And, our last two losses to the Patriots were because of muffed punts, weren't they? Yeah, that's true. I guess he had uh, uh, Wes Welker in overtime yeah. where he got really stupid and forgot to wave the guys off or something like that. and oh, Devastating. Those, those were pretty bad losses. That that first one especially because we had, what, 24-0 lead at halftime or something like that? I, that's, that's the, moving on. That's okay, yeah. sorry, sorry, yes. Sorry, Bronco fans. Yes. All right. DeAndre Anderson. Yes. Um, I know we sometimes bring up bad memories here. I'm sorry, guys. For punishment. I know we, you know, the human brain, it remembers the bad more than the good. And uh, so (laughs) fortunately, we remember a lot of those kind of plays. But anyway, moving on to another uh, guy that a lot of guys here at Mile High Huddle are very high on, D'Angelo Henderson, running back of Coastal Carolina. What can you tell me about this kid? Well, we got another five foot seven guy. Uh, played mostly around 200, 210 pounds, but carries the weight pretty well. You know, he, he's not going to mistake anybody for uh, Maurice Jones-Drew with a super crazy <laughs> trunk, but he carries the weight pretty well, and he plays pretty solid as well. You know, he's not afraid of contact. He ran solid at the combine. He had a four four eight, so he's got some wheels on him with a 34-inch vertical and 120-inch broad jump, so he's got some lower body expos- explosiveness. And he's been pretty effective during his career at Coastal Carolina, uh, specifically his sophomore and junior years. He had uh, over 1,500 yards his sophomore year, over 1,300 yards his uh, junior year, and over 1,000 yards his senior year. He did have an injury. But all those years, he had over six yards of carry uh, as a just a producer as well. He had 20 touchdowns as a sophomore, 16 as a junior, and 16 this year, which he missed three games. So that's a, that's a pretty good rate of touchdowns. He hasn't been used too much as a receiver, uh, 30 receptions, 40 and 20. So a decent amount, but you know, not a primary target, but he has been effective there and just overall been very productive during his time at coastal Carolina. He's uh, two of the guys that he compared to most on his mock draftable spider graph were Devonte Freeman of the Atlanta Falcons and Duke Johnson of the Cleveland Browns who, you know, he was a pretty high, I think he was a second or third round pick and they thought they were going to get a little bit more out of him than they've had. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, but a very productive player at Miami when he was there. And if we can get that out of the sixth round pick, that's going to be huge yeah. for us. Yeah. I like those comparisons. <laughs> that'd be yeah, especially Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. That'd be huge. So yeah, he's been very productive at uh, coastal Carolina, not a big school, you know, <laughs> not the best competition, but he's been a man amongst boys. And on the tape, you can see that. 
Uh, he set a Division One football record for scoring in 35 straight games, which is pretty incredible, and fell just short of Danny Woodhead's all-time record. So there's a name for you. And if we can get a little bit of production from him like McCoy got out of Danny Woodhead this year, that would be absolutely huge. Yeah, that's that's the the names that keep coming up are a lot of uh, old, you know, San Diego now L.A. Chargers names, uh, Danny Woodhead. Uh, trying to think of, of a couple of the other guys that that they had there, you know, kind Brandon of those Oliver. smaller. Yeah, Brandon Oliver. That's the one I was thinking. And and I actually I really love Brandon Oliver's game before he blew out his Achilles and just this kind of struggled with some injuries. But um, man, I loved actually watching that kid run. He just had. He was just so smooth, and and I think you see some of that here with with D'Angelo Henderson too, and and probably a big reason the Broncos really liked him is uh, his versatility. You know, his ability to to run inside, run outside, catch the football, do a little bit of everything, and you know, just kind of be that um, you know all around back that that you can stick on the field, especially on third down, and just see what he does. And I I know Eric Trickle loved this kid. Do you remember oh, when we did our our roundtable? for the draft and like Eric's going, if you guys don't take this kid, I'm going to be so angry. And like, then we voted against him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was, I, I felt bad for that, but um, yeah, he, he's been pounding the table. He's been talking to his sources, you know, almost trying to like pound the table saying, Hey, get this guy's name in there for the Broncos. And, and uh, so it's been, been kind of fun and I'm, I'm excited for him to get his guy. You know, last year we had our good friend, Scott, who had been, Pound the table for for Devonte Booker, and uh, yeah, he. I don't think he stopped smiling for like two months after we drafted that kid. Not until he saw the field and fumbled it. Well, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't be that. Oh, don't do that, D'Angelo Henderson. But um, yeah. No, speaking yeah, speaking of D'Angelo, speaking of fumbles, D'Angelo Henderson. That is, again, the last two picks. You know, you got those smaller five foot seven guys, and he has fumbled at a decent rate in college. Uh, he's wax ideal size for an NFL bell cow. And because of that ball security is an issue and he's going to need to fix that if he's going to be successful in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. The last three years he had uh, six fumbles as a sophomore, four fumbles as a junior and five fumbles this past year. And you know, you know, you look at, he was a high volume guy. So yes, there's going to be probably a couple fumbles along the way, but um, the fact that he didn't really get much better, you know, that that's always kind of something that you look for is, um, you know, if they have one bad year, I go, okay, what, what did they do the next year to correct that? You know, that's why I wasn't very high on Deshaun Watson as a quarterback because I look at his interceptions and I say he didn't improve. You know, he ran a very quarterback-friendly system and and he threw a lot of interceptions. So, D'Angelo Henderson, you know, this is something that it's going to be a, a major issue possibly early on um, for him to hold on to the ball and make sure that he doesn't cost the team, you know, turnovers. Name of the game, the the Chiefs especially, you know, they've made a, a career out of that. Um, Andy Reid has always been a big pusher for for turnovers. And when they get lots of turnovers, they win lots of games. So uh, I'd hate to see uh, the reverse of, you know, when we had Jamal Charles f- fumble a game to us. I'd hate to see D'Angelo Henderson fumble a game to them. <sighs> Chiefs fans wouldn't shut up for days. <laughs> ironic the more ironic would be if jamal charles fumbled I, 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 well i didn't want to say it because i just i don't want to even put it out there in the universe that this could ever happen that um, bad juju yeah I, I don't want that <laughs> but no i i do i think Daniel henderson he's a good fit um i i don't know how much he's going to help year one 
You know, it, it all kind of depends on the health of all of our other three guys. You know, all three have shown that they they can't they haven't been able to stay healthy in, in their NFL careers. And uh, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if D'Angelo Henderson got a few more carries than people even think he might. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about that either. And I'm looking forward to seeing him on tape in the NFL. One thing that I noticed when watching him was that I, it's hard to tell if it's because of the level of competition around him or the players around him, his own teammates, but he just moves so much faster than those guys. So I'm really curious to see how he moves, just the processing speed and the uh, spatial awareness that he has when he's going up against NFL caliber athletes. No, I, I agree. And I, I do. I, I like his speed too, his, or his quickness, I guess I should say. That's probably a better word for what he does. Um, he, he honestly, if I'm building a running back, I like the shorter guys. I like the guys that can hide behind the line of, you know, behind the offensive line. You get those big uglies in front of them and he just kind of blends into the back and then a hole opens up and just explodes through it. And, and you saw him do that a lot at coastal Carolina. You know, he, he actually showed some pretty good patience to wait for a hole to open up and uh, then use his speed to, to really break through there for a big run. And then having a little bit of power, you know, pick up those extra few yards. And um, so, yeah, I, I really love his running style. I think he'll be a great fit on this power blocking scheme. And for a six round running back, you know, I, I think he could turn into something, um, you know, Bronco fans. I think we've had a little bit of luck with uh, six round running backs before and seeing them become something good. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, somebody that might be getting inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. So, you know, if he can, well, I, you know, that that's pretty high expectations that expect him to follow in those footsteps. But no, I, I think he could turn into a, a possibly three down running back in the future. I could see that too. Um, he's got great field vision. He's surprisingly powerful for a smaller back. That's one thing I love about watching him is he's not afraid to lower that shoulder and he brings some decent power behind him too. He's very agile and he has the speed to kick it outside if he needs to. And he's also comfortable running between the tackles. I mean, he's got decent vision and his yeah. like, again, his lateral quickness and his ability to hop is pretty awesome. I and mean, that's his nickname. You know, we talked about the human joystick. D'Angelo Henderson's nickname is hop. <laughs> so pretty fun. That's also because he hurt his leg and he was, he was damned. Like I'm getting out there and he was like hopping around on one leg. Coach is like, okay, I see you out there. Like, that's fine. If you're, you're still doing it, but you're kind of looking funky. So yeah. he had that nickname hop and it, it stuck. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I guess I've never heard that one. So that's kind of, kind of neat. Um, I was going to ask you, do you worry at all when running backs take a lot of abuse in college? Uh, I do if I'm using a premium selection on them. But six round here, that's, I mean, at this point, it's just taking a flyer. You know, they're lottery tickets this late. Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, he, he did miss three games, like you said earlier, that he did have a shoulder injury. Um, and so, you know, and, and that's against lower competition, you know. And the NFL, he's going to be taking some bigger hits. So I do worry a little bit about just the, the workload he's already had. But same time, year one, I don't think he's going to be getting a ton of touches unless guys get injured. Yeah, um, which is very possible at the running back position. You need depth. I'm glad that we finally have a little bit of depth at the running back position because last year, C.J. Anderson went down. Uh, Booker went down with an injury. You know, he still played through it, but he was pretty hurt. And he was still recovering from his knee injury, too. And uh, we just had nothing. You know, we really didn't. We just didn't have anything behind them to kind of, you know, hold us up for the rest of the season. And this year, I actually feel like we have four guys that could be starters. Yeah. Not great starters, but starters. 
if we can just mold Jamal Adams, or Jamal Adams, well, no, Jamal Charles and CJ Anderson and, you know, one super healthy back, then we're good to go. But until then, we're just going to have to play with the hot hand and all the notes coming out of Denver say the same thing. One thing to note as well about Henderson is that he is an older prospect. Um, he spent a year uh, getting academically el- eligible and he spent another year uh, redshirted. So he's a little older than most guys and add that to a high volume and some injuries in college. So that's, I think his tape when he flashes, you know, on tape, that is higher than his, his draft spot. So if, if he wasn't older and he didn't have all those carries and the, in, some of the injuries and the fumbling issues, uh, I think he would have gone higher, but his tape gets you excited. I mean, he's a guy who I think can be very dynamic and I wouldn't be surprised if he developed into a pretty good pass catcher as well. Agreed. Yeah. And he does, does well in space and making people miss. And that just seems to be a theme this year with all the the picks, the Broncos paid guys that can make people miss. And, you know, I, I know that was something Kubiak talked about a lot last year. You know, he was kind of upset with the running backs. He's like, you guys got to make the first guy miss. The offensive line can only block so many people. There's going to be somebody that's going to come hit you. And it's your responsibility to make the first guy miss. And they didn't really do it last year. Where this year, I think we have some guys that could actually do that. Yeah. And hopefully along with some better, uh, some better blocking, we can have just a better, more effective uh, run game in general. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm excited about Henderson. I'm not sure that he will make the uh, 53-man roster, just given the running backs that we have. But I heard that he had uh, pretty good first days of OTAs, along with uh, Bernard Pierce, who's kind of a forgotten man. And so I'm excited to watch the running back battle in training camp and just let the best guys go because we need some talent there. Definitely, definitely. All right, well, let's let's move on to Mr. Swag himself. Swag. Swag. All right. <laughs> and I just want to preface this this uh, rap that you guys are about to hear is actually Chad Kelly rapping about himself. So if that makes you love him more or hate him more, just just accept it. I mean, there is a little bit of Manziel about him. There's ser- like his game and who he is. There's a little bit of Manziel. You know, we didn't use a first round pick on him. This is Mr. Irrelevant. So, you know, you're not taking a huge risk, but I I guess there's not much more I can say until you hear the rap. So, enjoy. Chad Kelly, number 12, Swag, Under Armour, All-American, Swag, Player of the Year, All-State, Swag, Doing it big, G-Five again, Swag. Wow, uh, how do you like that? Isn't that so great, Carl? Have you, you, I mean, <laughs> you've, I've sent that to you, right? Yes, yes. I, I've listened to it uh, more times than I want to admit on the show. Uh, it's on my work <laughs> completely. 
Is it? Is it? Okay. No, no. Um, oh, goodness. Okay. Um, I, I just, I just picture you blaring it through your house and, and your girlfriend like being like, oh my gosh, turn this crap off. Um, Actually, yeah. side, sidebar, sidebar, because this is hilarious. We, we were dating before this, but when I first started getting her to be a Bronco fan was during that miraculous Tebow year, because I mean, how could you not be a fan during that year? Right. And we were obsessed with the, uh, he's a gamer. He's a baller. He's a playmaker and a shot caller. You know, that Skip Bayless, like, rap that they had? Like, we would play that yep. just, like, almost just to tease our friends. We'd play that like it was on my phone. Yeah, she's she's, she's literally <laughs> – she's back back here singing the words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I told you. I, I uh, actually have talked to the guy that wrote that, um, who actually produced it and everything, um, on another Bronco message board. If you, if you guys didn't know, um, Nick and I met on a, on a Bronco message board and kind of – got our conversation started through our mutual friend, Scott. I think we've talked about this before, but anyway, yes. So I I met that guy that wrote that and produced it and everything that got it on the show. And he's, he's actually a pretty cool guy, but yes. So, so Bronco fans, you guys have been very fortunate. You guys have gotten some of the best um, raps or whatever you want to call it. Some of the best musical talent about our players. Yeah. We need some more. We need some, uh, who'd be a good one. We need like a, a monster mash with like Von, I guess where's gone. I liked it when we were Von Werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. Wolf would be a good one to rap about. Um, Manuel Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. Side note. Did you see that he had a baby deer following him everywhere? What? No. Yeah. He found a baby deer and it's just, they brought it into his house for, for a few days and had to follow him around and he took it to the basketball courts with him and everything. Um, <laughs> that's how you get Lyme's disease. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's not do that. Um, anyway, so Chad Kelly, here's who we're talking about, Mister Irrelevant or Mister Swag himself. I mean, he's got a lot of a lot of nicknames going both ways. This is maybe one of the most talked about seventh round picks in NFL history. This uh, kid is about as polarizing as it comes. He's like you said, Johnny Manziel. He uh, has things that just make you go, wow, and things that make you shake your head going, oh, my goodness, how could somebody be so stupid? He is the nephew of Hall of Famer Jim Kelly. In fact, uh, it was announced that Elway actually called Jim Kelly before he made the pick to make sure that that Jim approved of the pick and said, you know, is this kid going to be all right? You know, is this kid going to be on his best behavior? And Jim gave his his thumbs up approval. And uh, so, yeah. That's how we ended up with, with Chad Kelly himself. And, uh, okay, let's just dive into it. Let's get into some of his background here, both the good and the bad. Um, when you look at this kid, I think you and I both can agree. He is a top two round talent um, of this past draft. Yeah, absolutely. He's got, he's obviously has some deficiencies we'll get into, but if he had not, if he didn't have the injuries and he had, not the off-field issues as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he was, you know, taken in the uh, top 40, top 60. Yep, exactly. Um, NFL evaluator was asked about him. He said, no doubt, has an NFL arm, and some of his habits that are bad can be fixed. So this kid, yeah, uh, somebody would have fell in love with this kid if he didn't have all the off-the-field off, off issues and, and everything else going on, injuries. Um, in fact, we, we've heard that Elway got a, quite a few calls because teams were upset that he took him with the Mr. Ir- Irrelevant pick because they were already lining up their pitch to try to get this kid uh, to come in as an undrafted free agent. 
So yeah, team. there's actually quite a few teams that like what they see on film from this kid. But off the field, here's, here's where we get into things. Um, this past October, it was bye week for them there in college for Ole Miss, and he decided to attend his little brother's football game. And his little brother got taken down out of bounds. Uh, Jim Kelly, I guess, kind of talked about this a little bit. He said that while his um, – while uh, Chad Kelly's brother was on the ground, players were kicking him, ripping off his helmet, punching him, all these kind of things. Chad Kelly came out of the stands and got right in the middle of the brawl. Not exactly what you want to see from your uh, face of your franchise. <laughs> Not at all. Unless yeah. they have flag. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, other things that happened, he ended up getting kicked off of the Clemson team in 2014 for conduct detrimental to the team. Um, I've read up a little bit more on this. He just, he was having a lot of fights with coaches. At one point he went up to him cause he used to play lacrosse foot, um, as well. And uh, he wasn't happy about his playing time. So he went up to the coaches and said, well, if you guys aren't going to play me, I'm just going to go play lacrosse. And coaches didn't really like that. Um, they don't like having kind of those ultimatums put on them. And he kind of admits now, he said, I, I didn't exactly handle that situation very well. You also have, even before that, though, he was arrested for punching a bouncer at a bar, and then he threatened at one point to open fire on the bar with an AK-47. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, just, just a threat. So, oh, I mean, he's, yeah. not, he's not actually shooting. but Right, cool. right. But he just, gosh. the fact that you say something like that, you know, it's, oh, my goodness. I wonder if he actually remembers doing it. I, I bet he was sloshed out of his mind. But now I'm, I'm not sure, making, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to make, uh, excuses for the kids. It's kind of the affluenza effect, you know, because Jim Kelly's, you know, hard worker, good, good guy in all accounts. Then you got Chad Kelly, who's just been an issue everywhere he's gone. Well, besides yeah. Ole Miss, I guess he wasn't. Well, besides, you know, he's had issues at Ole Miss too. So I, I don't know. Yeah, he's got some growing yeah. up to do. Because didn't he get arrested at Ole Miss too? Um, not too long ago. Well, he had the issue with this after he got after he heard his ACL where he went on the field and joined a brawl at his brother's high school game. Right. Right. <laughs> you got to not um, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just lots of, lots of off the field things that just make you very much question who this kid is. And you know, when is the next big blow up? Is he going to be Ben Roethlisberger early on in his career where he goes and does really stupid things? Um, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that's hard to tell. You never know when a kid's finally going to figure it out when they hit that rock bottom. Maybe him sitting there watching the draft and seeing his name not called for three straight days until the final pick. You know, maybe that is a, a an eye opener for him that he's not as as swag as he thought. People don't think as highly of him as he thought. And <clears throat> but like I said, there is a lot of good to like in this kid. He is he's very much a hard worker. His coaches there at Ole Miss, uh, they talked about how after the the Sugar Bowl, his junior season, um, when they returned to campus, where did they find Chad Kelly? Watching film already on his 2016 opponents. They talked about when he first came there to Ole Miss, uh, there's two quarterbacks that had been there for two years already. They knew the entire playbook, knew all the players, knew everything. And they didn't think Chad Kelly would be able to get up to speed as quickly as he did. And next thing they knew, you know, he's pulling, um, you know, their top two receivers, uh, Treadwell and Springfellow. Is that right? Are, well, I think those were the two top String. wide receivers. Springfellow. Springfellow. There we go. Um, pulled them both aside and said, hey, I need your guys' help. Worked extra time with them, worked on the playbook. And by that fall, obviously, he won the starting job. 
So, you know, he brings a lot. He has that confidence that you love in a, in a quarterback. There's just something about that. When you can look at your quarterback and he has that, that swag, um, <laughs> to, to, I, I'm terrible at saying it. I, I should never try to say that kind of word. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he just has that, that confidence that when you look at him, like, you know, this guy's going to go make a play for you. So everybody else wants to up their game as well. And, and he showed that, you know, he made some very nice plays. He had some very nice comebacks during his time in college. He showed up big in some of the biggest games. Um, I remember I had some guy, Try to tell me why Deshaun Watson is this great quarterback, and it's all because he did well against Alabama. And uh, he made the comment. He said, no quarterback has been able to do that over the last two years against Alabama. And, uh, well, you know, I did a little bit of digging, and I said, there is another quarterback, Mr. Chad Kelly, who did just as well against that Alabama defense. He lit them up. And uh, so, you know, if you want to make that argument for, for Deshaun Watson being great, you got to make the same argument for Chad Kelly. He just, he has some innate ability just to, to make plays when you absolutely need one. Yeah. Agreed. And he's got a lot of tools to work with. I mean, he is, as we heard about the rap uh, in his rap song, he compares himself to Michael Vick with a cannon arm. So I don't, he's not as athletic as Michael Vick, but if, if you are not uh, containing him and you are playing man coverage and he gets outside the pocket, he can take it 40 yards, 50 yards. I mean, he is a very good athlete and in space and going downfield, he can, he can scoot. I yeah. really, I really enjoy his pocket maneuverability. He, it sometimes can be a blessing and a curse. He can be a little bit too uh, aggressive and he can run himself into some poor situations, you know, lose more yards than he should. Some Tony Romo backfield magician stuff where I don't even know how he sees the guy coming behind him and he'll just duck swing out get out into the uh, the side of the field, the kind of Russell Wilson style, and then reset. One thing I absolutely love about him, dude, when he gets out of the pocket, he resets and then puts his eyes downfield to like see uh, if anything is broken down. He's not just looking to tuck and run. He's looking to get outside and then for a big chunk play. And he does that pretty yeah. regularly on tape. He does, so, and, yeah. and, and he does it well. Um, he hit 66.7% of his passes when throwing on the run. So wow. he actually had better accuracy on the run than he did sitting in the pocket. That is, that's pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, he had a pretty decent accuracy from the pocket too. I'm not trying to say anything against that, but um, yeah, this guy, when you get him out in space, he, he's a threat with his legs, threat with his arm and can make the big play. He's got a strong arm, strong enough arm for the NFL. Um, he's got a quick release. That's, that's always fun to see. More than uh, strong enough. Yeah. By the way, that, he, like he's got an actually like a really good arm. He might actually yeah. have the strongest arm on the team. I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> uh, I, you, I know know. Much I, you know how much I believe in Lynch's arm. So that's, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see. But he'll, he'll get his opportunity to show who has the stronger arm for sure. But yeah, and he has no fear. He will fit a throw into a tight window, which can be good and bad. You know, that I had to put that in both categories because uh, – <laughs> There are some interceptions that leave you shaking your head. You know, he has some Jay Cutler to his game where he just believes in his arm way too much. will throw in triple coverage. So you gotta, you gotta be willing to take the, the good with the bad with this guy. Um, Cause he, he definitely takes a lot of chances. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. I think the Broncos have two quarterbacks that are highly accurate. Um, very much protect the football in uh, Trevor Simeon. And then our undrafted free agent, Kyle Sloter, 
get into them a little bit more of Northern Colorado. And then you got two gunslingers. Um, so it's just kind of like they, they decided to go with a, a mix and, and see who, who emerges. Um, so that, that's not bad. I think that's good for both sides. I think it makes Simeon have to work to push the football down the field when he sees um, Paxton Lynch throwing it like, like he does. Um, but it also makes Paxton Lynch have to try to make better decisions because he's got to realize, you know, he throws three or four interceptions to practice. He's not getting the job. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm excited about Chad Kelly's play, but to be fair, he's got some issues. You know, sometimes, like you said, he can trust his arm too much. Uh, one thing I noted when watching him play is that he has a lot of balls that are batted at the line of scrimmage and he is six two, so he's not super tall for a quarterback, but he needs to, his arm, he kind of dips his arm a little bit. So he needs to work on uh, not over striding with that front foot. And so he can throw off a higher platform and then just bring that ball a little bit more over top. That way he can negate some of those uh, batted balls against Alabama specifically. I think the first half I saw three or four balls batted at the line of scrimmage. So something that he's going to have to work on. Otherwise it's going to have a decent amount of incompletions and potentially some tip ball interceptions. Uh, And also obviously the off field issues, but he's had injury issues. You know, he's had his ACL torn, Twice, I believe, he's had an M- his MCL torn as well, and he had his uh, wrist injured at his pro day. And I think he had a thumb injury as well. He so did, he's yeah. had a fair amount of in- yeah, he's had a fair amount of injuries. And with his uh, with his smaller body, I mean, he's not super small. He's like 6'2", 225. So he's not too small, but he's not you know Tim Tebow. He's not a tank. So and he's already had a fair amount of injuries. So that's something something to note. And one of the reasons that he was available at Mister Relevant is these injuries. So yeah, agreed. Because there's a chance he might actually be put on IR this year. You know, give him his redshirt year to get healthy, learn the playbook, and then next year have him really join the quarterback competition. Um, and stay I, I out of trouble. Yeah, and stay out of trouble. He's got to prove that too. You know, I, I know the Broncos pretty much gave him a, a one-strike rule. You know, you mess up once, you're done. We're, you're out of here. We're not putting up with this stuff. And so he's, he's going to have to grow up quick and make better decisions. Um, I did hear him kind of try to justify all of his mistakes it was kind of an interesting twist on things. I, I don't know if you've heard this, but he, he talked about, he said, if you look at all my, my issues off the field, every time it was me trying to help somebody, you know, somebody else was in trouble and I tried to step in. And uh, he said, it just, I didn't make the best decisions once I stepped in, but that's, you know, it was, I had another person's interest at heart. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you still got to make better decisions, but Hearing from his teammates at Ole Miss, uh, Evan Ingram, Tunsil, and some of the other wide receivers, they absolutely love the kid. They say, you know, willing to go to battle with him, and he's a great leader in the locker room and on the field, and they want to fight with him. So he's, I mean, he's going to, he has an uphill battle being that Mr. Relevant and coming off the injuries and already having two young quarterbacks that are battling for a position. But I wouldn't be shocked if 2018, we might have another quarterback battle and this guy could win it. I mean, he, he has the talent, he's got a lot of issues with, uh, some of his accuracy, sometimes his ball placement, uh, sideline throws. He sometimes he drops in on a bucket. They're just not consistent enough. But I mean, he has the talent, and I think he's getting that seventh round pick, even if he's just a backup quarterback. That is super valuable. Agreed. Um, look at you know, and, and I know this guy was a lot higher pick than than what uh, than what Chad Kelly was. But for the Patriots, look what they were getting offered for for Jimmy Garoppolo this year there was talk that they were maybe getting offered two first round picks just because he had some potential as a, as a first round pick or as a, you know, as a franchise quarterback. And uh, so if he, you know, he shows well in preseason Broncos could be getting a lot of calls 
and turn that Mr. Irrelevant pick into maybe second, first round pick, depending how well he shows. We can dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, yeah. I mean, he's got to be healthy. But I, I love – this is what I love. Elway realizes how important the quarterback position is, and he has spent some draft capital. Um, first round, now two seventh-round picks. I mean, he's, he's thrown a lot at this position and seeing if one of these guys can develop. You know, see if one of these guys can become that long-term solution. Um, you know, instead of having to bring in free agents or, you know – whatever you want to want to add to the team. I mean, I love Peyton Manning, obviously, but he was just a short-term fix for the team. And uh, so hopefully, yeah, if it's Chad Kelly, great. Pax Lynch, great. Trevor Simeon, great. Uh, you know, even our undrafted guy, Kyle Sloter, great. You know, whoever it is, as long as we have a great quarterback, good things happen. Yep, agreed. And he's also got something that I don't think we've said enough already, swag. So... <laughs> We'll have to play out the rap again. I might have just tossed that in at the end just because yeah. it's too great. But we should move <laughs> along here. Uh, got a little bit of time left, and we've got to hit on some of these undrafted free agents. I'm just going to list some of these ones, and uh, give me uh, any ones that stick out to you. There's some that stick out to me as well. So we got Eric Ostell from S- Charleston Southern, and I believe he's going to be playing center. Josh Banderas from Nebraska. Boo, Nebraska. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, Dante <laughs> He's Barnett. one that sticks out, but go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. He stayed out in Iowa and beating his ass now. <laughs> um, Dante Barnett, safety, Kansas State. Jamal Carter, safety, Miami. Ken Eknem. Eknem, yeah. Defensive end, Virginia Tech, one that Eric Trickle likes a lot. Uh, Jerrell Garcia-Williams, Hawaii, linebacker. Deion Hollins, linebacker, UCLA. Cameron Hunt, offensive tackle, Oregon. Tyreek Jarrett, nose tackle, Pittsburgh. Anthony Nash, wide receiver, Duke. Marcus Rios, cornerback UCLA. Kyle Sloter, quarterback North, Northern Colorado. Sharik Soto, defensive line Pittsburgh. Orion Stewart, defensive back Baylor. And DeMonte Thomas, safety Michigan. So out of all these guys, you know, there's a few here that uh, stick out to me. And the Broncos have a pretty high history of having undrafted free agents make the team and contribute. Uh, you know, we got Chris Harris, obviously, is a, the golden example. C.J. Anderson, uh, among others that are on the team, you know, Shaq Barrett. So Denver's done a pretty good job with those undrafted free agents and having them find niches and roles on the team. So do yeah. any of these guys stick out to you? You think will make the roster this year and potentially have an impact going forward? Well, uh, one name sticks out or Well, there's more than one name, but uh, Josh Banderas, linebacker for Nebraska, like I said earlier, uh, he does intrigue me. Nebraska has been known to to do pretty well with some, some linebackers. Uh, Zaire Anderson, I know you're very high on him possibly even start this year and uh, over Todd, Todd Davis. And this kid, he was kind of the, the guy that was in charge on the field. He was calling the plays for the Huskers. So he has great intelligence, has great instincts, decent athletic ability, good size for the position. And I don't know. I just, I think he's a guy that could stick around. I think he could find a, a, a niche early on as a, a special teams guy um, and maybe really fight for, for a roster spot on the 53 and uh, just see, see what he can develop into. Um, so I, I like him. Um, Jamal Carter Carter is the guy that got the highest signing bonus. I think like $20,000. He is that safety from Miami. Um, 6'1", 218 pounds. He is a height, weight, speed athlete. Not really much of an NFL player, I would say yet, or a football player. 
um, really needs some time to work on his instincts and, and just kind of understand the game a lot better. He was, a uh, you know, a top safety coming out of high school and, uh, he was right there in Miami. So we picked Miami to go to college and he just never really made the field until this past year. And, uh, he had 85 tackles, three pass breakups, but, um, you know, like I said, if he, if he develops, if he spends a lot of time working with all of the, uh, the guys that we have that can really help in that secondary, um, he could maybe become something. I don't know. You know, at least year one, he could be a special teams guy. He, uh, you know, has that, that gunner ability to be a huge playmaker um, on special teams for us. So th- those are two names that really stick out to me. Any of them for you? Um, Kyle Slaughter obviously is one. You know, there's a running joke on one of the Broncos sites that, you know, there's the Slaughter fans and they've been quoting the uh i don't know if you ever watch arrested development but when it's <laughs> there are literally dozens of us dozens and he looks in the sky like with a corn dog that's that's the yeah. soda nation oh stop booing there's nothing wrong with it there are dozens of us dozens so, <laughs> I, mean, I haven't watched too much yet but you know given that chad kelly's not going to be playing and probably not playing uh preseason games and you know you don't want Lynch or Simeon, you know, playing game four. Slaughter's somebody who's going to be playing some of those later reps, and I'm excited to see if, you know, if he brings anything because he's another quarterback to analyze. Yeah. And another one just based on – I watched some of his tape, and I wasn't super impressed uh, other than he has a big body and sometimes gets – can anchor or get some push on some double teams, but not very often, and that's uh, Tyreek Jarrett. He is 6'2", 330 pounds, but he had pretty horrible – pro day numbers in terms of his athleticism. But again, he's like 330 pounds. So that's not, that's not unexpected. And given that we ha- right now our listed nose tackles are just the, the Peco cousins. I wouldn't be surprised if Jarrett, if he, you know, even has just a marginal preseason, if he makes the roster. Yeah, I could see that. Um, just a quick kind of interesting note on Kyle Sloter. Um, I met the parents of his top wide receiver this past year. Oh, yeah. They uh, got snowed in here on that big <laughs> apocalypse snowstorm that I had. And uh, they, they were staying here at the church. And so I, I was talking with them and my dad had mentioned that I do a podcast and they said, oh, really? Are you going to talk about anybody? And I said, well, I think Kyle Sloter might be a guy that we're going to talk about for undrafted guys. And, and they go, oh, our son was his top wide receiver. And <laughs> so, yeah, got to hear a little bit about him. They said they really liked the kid. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, stock you want to put into that or anything like that, but just kind of an interesting side note of just connections that you can make out of weird situations. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. It's a decent undrafted free agent class. Nobody that really big time blows me away or anything like that, but there's a reason that they're undrafted. Um, There's a couple guys I was kind of hoping the Broncos would go after, but they didn't. And uh, that's okay. Like I said, they've always had a little bit of luck finding some guys. You know, offensive line-wise, maybe Eric Estelle, if, if Paradis isn't quite ready, is another guy that could could make a little bit of noise. Um, Cameron Hunt could fight for that backup offensive tackle spot, that, that right tackle spot out of Oregon. He was he got the what was called the Pancake Award for college. I think he had the most pancakes of any offensive tackle in football. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I was just reading up a little bit on him on something with that. And uh, so he's got a very aggressive attitude, fits very well with the type of offensive lineman we're looking for. And a guy I probably need to do a little bit more looking into, but yeah, you know, maybe he could really make a name for himself early on. 
and uh, just have to see what these guys become. Well, that's awesome. I'm excited to watch these guys and, and I would just love to be there at camp and at training and just watching these position battles happen because that's, that's the next step. And that's what we're going to be doing next on this podcast with Carl and I, we're going to be starting to break down the uh, positional battles, uh, starting to rank the depth chart, you know, give them a grade and potentially starting to look around the AFC West as well. And, you know, just talking to the general Bronco news, uh, Chad has been taking over mainly of the uh, the breaking stuff. You know, if anything happens, you know, first day of OTAs, he had the podcast that came out just a couple of days ago where uh, he had Will Keys on and they talked about, you know, first day of OTAs and quarterback battle and everything. But Carl and I are still going to be here, you know, doing a little bit more of the, instead of the, the breaking news, more of the analysis stuff, you know, the deep, the deep dives breaking down the roster because we are 1A and 1B of the Denver Bronco armchair GMs. So there's a lot of <laughs> listeners out they probably they feel the same way, but you know, we're going to break it down. We're going to analyze it and we're going to give you what we think and what we feel, you know, right or wrong. Well, well, hopefully right. But you know, we, we do an okay job with this. I think, you know, we, we watch a fair amount of tape and nuts, yeah. but if you're here listening with us, you're football nuts too. So love it and excited to continue this journey on, you know, we're, we'll probably be starting to, I can't help it. I'm going to be talking to some 2018. We'll be doing that some. And if you guys have any 2018 draft questions or players you want me to look at, Send them my way. I already have some Twitter followers that, you know, I have to say, have you checked this guy out yet? Have you checked out this guy yet? And, you know, you guys oftentimes, you know, point me in the right direction. And I can tell you, like, this this kid's got some talent. You know, one of the listeners pointed out a seventh-round pick by the the Raiders this year, Andre Ware, I believe, the uh, offensive tackle, Alabama State. And I would never heard of that kid, and I watched him. Like, this, this kid's pretty athletic, you know. Obviously, some technical issues, but nobody had really been talking about him. And then, you know, a week later, there's a bunch of buzz about him. And he kills it at his pro day and he ends up with a seventh round draft picks. So, you know, just toss those guys this way and I'll find film. There's a lot out there and I'll dig through YouTube forever if I have to. So looking forward to moving on and uh, starting to get into training camp and all these OTAs. So it's going to be fun. All right. Well, that will wrap up episode 16 of the draft focus huddle up podcast. And we won't be as draft focused until probably we get some college football going. So it's going to be a little bit kind of breaks my heart. I'll throw in a little bit, but nothing too much. <laughs> we have uh, closed down the draft, and we're starting to look ahead to next season. Bronco fans, make sure to keep checking back in on Mile High Huddle for an update of OTAs and all their Bronco news. Carl has an article coming out, a film breakdown. It's a premium piece on uh, Demarcus Walker, comparing him to uh, Tom Johnson some, you know, the Vikings interior pass rusher, and had some film on him. So I'm looking forward to that piece, Carl. Uh, you can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dummler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of Scout.com and a member of the CBS Sports Digital Network. You can follow Huddle Up Podcast today by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as Spreaker, CastBox, SoundCloud, and a variety of other mediums. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up underscore MHH. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us. We hope you enjoyed this swag edition of this podcast, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos, and here's a little bit more of Swag Kelly. Chad Kelly, number 12, Swag, Under Armour, All-American, Swag, Player of the Year, All-State, Swag, Doing it big, G5 again, Swag.
is going down. Chad Kelly, number one, true. Watch how I touch down. Chad Kelly, hit the field, it's going down. Chad Kelly, number one, QB. Chad Kelly, the defense ain't saying me. Chad Kelly, Chad Kelly on the field, yeah you know it's swag. Touchdown every time that he throw a pass. He might just take off like he Michael Vick. Check you for the touchdown, yeah you know he's sick. Mile high huddle. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Try IBM Cloud for free. With an IBM Cloud account, get access to more than 40 always free products with no time limit and a $200 credit. Explore our free tier and create your free account today at ibm.biz cloudfree.